What is going on, everybody? We are back. It's been a while. We're back with our, the Our City podcast. Baseball season is underway, but it's been a rather interesting first week and a half or so of the season. First of all, we're going to talk about the Mets a whole lot in a little bit, but first, let's do some MLB uh, around the league action going on. First of all, the Marlins. Uh, I don't really know what to say. You can't even joke about it. I mean, they have, they're not able to play until at least today because of coronavirus. They had 17 players and staff test positive and their, they had their series with the Marlins. That series was canceled. Then there was some Marlins testing positive, or excuse me, some Phillies testing positive then, over in St. Louis with the Brewers, there were some St. Louis Cardinals players that tested positive, so it canceled their series against each other. And the Brewers uh, out center fielder Lorenzo Cain decided to opt out because of it. It's just a whole mess. I don't even know how else to put it. It's just a giant mess. Hopefully, though, everybody that has contracted it player and personnel, it will fully recover, Uh, but this is definitely a huge, huge blow. Now, a lot of people I've seen on social media talking about shutting down the season, just give up, why didn't didn't MLB do a bubble like the NHL and NBA did? Well, it's really because they couldn't do a bubble. With the way that they wanted to do it, with traveling and all that to different stadiums and not having a neutral site, a bubble wouldn't have worked. Okay, so it's tough to say, well, why didn't you do it with these sports? Because they couldn't. Because the way they agreed to do it, it just wouldn't be possible to have that. But I haven't seen any updates on the Marlins today, but I haven't been on Twitter yet today. So I'll check on there, and we'll see what is going on with the Marlins. If they're able to play, the Phillies are not able to resume play yet, and then the Cardinals and Brewers are also in their own uh, little delay over there. But it's been crazy, to say the least. Uh, But mostly this podcast episode is going to be about the Mets. Uh, There's been a lot of Mets news and drama going on. I can't wait to dive into it. So let's hop right in. Now, first of all, the Mets acquired outfielder Billy Hamilton, the speedster from the Giants. Billy Hamilton spent some time, made most of his career with Cincinnati, spent some time in Kansas City and Atlanta, and the past little bit with the Giants, the Mets traded minor league pitching prospect Jordan Humphreys for Billy Hamilton. I like this move. But we're going to go through all the roster transactions first, and then we'll come back to Billy Hamilton. So next up, uh, Tyler Batchelor placed on waivers, ended up trading him to the Pirates for cash considerations. Don't like that. Uh, I was personally a huge fan of Batchelor's. I think he just needed some time and uh, more innings, and I think he could have potentially been a great arm in the Mets' bullpen. But uh, also Steven Gonzalez, who they picked up this past offseason, he's also was placed on waivers and picked up by Boston, and geez, did Boston need him. Uh, Boston's pitching, after watching that Mets-Red Sox series, Boston pitching outside of Nate Evaldi this year is awful. So hopefully that'll be a nice arm that they can 
put in there. And then it's the big news has been Cespedes opting out and he's done for the year. But that's the bulk of this episode is what's going on with that. But first I want to touch on the Billy Hamilton trade. So I've seen a lot of fans' responses to it that they didn't like it. You know, they don't they don't think he provides any value and why would they trade away a prospect for him when he's essentially nothing. Why I like it is obviously we know he can do on the base pads. He is arguably the fastest runner in the sport. Uh, up there with Byron Buxton and Trey Turner. He's also a great center field. I say great, but that's a little bit of a stretch. He's a solid center fielder. If the Mets put him out there as a defensive replacement like they've been doing at, towards the end of the game, or if they just give him a start one day, I'm not worried about him defensively. You know, it's not like you have a third baseman or a first baseman in left field currently, but his bat has always been kind of inconsistent. But I do think that Billy Hamilton can contribute a lot, and especially late in the game. You know, let's say Ram, it's the Mets are down by one, and it's the eighth or ninth inning. Ramos comes up. Ramos gets a double. I would pinch run Billy Hamilton. Then all he need to do is put the ball in the outfield, and he's going to come around to score. So it's definitely some much needed speed. A nice little. A little defensive boost, not a huge one, but a little defensive boost because the Mets aren't the best defensively. I mean, if you look at Jeff McNeil, he's made, I believe, four errors so already this year. And he made, I believe it was three or four all of last year at third base. So it definitely is a little slight boost to the defense and also much, much needed speed in that off the bench, whether that he's used off, he'll probably be used off the bench. But whether he gets a start from time to time to give guys days off or he is on the base paths, that is a much-needed speed that the Mets do need. Uh, Robinson Cano, he's hot right now. Uh, started the year, not first two or three games, not very good. Came out, Went over to the series in Boston, has been absolutely raking since then. Starting to look like the winner or... I shouldn't say winner. When the Mets made the trade for Edwin Diaz and Cano, Cano is starting to prove to be the more valuable piece than Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz, for those of you who didn't see, was flawless in game one of the year. Looked like he was back. Game two completely went in the opposite direction. Marcelo Zuna got to him. Marcelo Zuna is going to be a prop. So, hold on, on to Marcelo Zuna. But with Edwin Diaz, it's just... He's not panning out. The whole Mets bullpen is not panning out. Uh, there's always been, it seems that even Lugo is not even doing good so far this year. He started good the first game or so, but now he's had some hiccups. Batances hasn't been sharp. Even he said himself in a post-game press conference that he did, just didn't feel good. Diaz has not been his, his usual self. It's just... A disaster in that bullpen and I've said uh, I wrote a few articles about it and I've also said on here the key to the Mets being successful in 2020 and beyond is that bullpen we know the starting rotation is phenomenal when they're healthy we know that the offense is a absolute powerhouse 
but that bullpen was the key, and that bullpen cost them the playoffs last year with how close they got. If you look, go back at some of the games they blew, like the six-run lead in D.C. or the, uh, I believe it was like seven or eight-run lead in L.A., some of those games, if the Mets, if the bullpen does their job and holds those games, the Mets were in the playoffs last year, and who knows what happens from there. So it's coming up, it keeps coming up and up and up again. That bullpen is going to be the key for them to be anywhere close to successful in 2020 and beyond. But with Marcel Zuno, like I said, quickly touch on him. He, you get Anthony Rendon out of the division, you think all your problems are gone. Then Marcelo Zuna comes in and is the new Anthony Rendon. And that's just a little side note I wanted to throw in there. But I know it's kind of going fast, but there's a lot to discuss with Cespedes. So as you all have seen, Cespedes is done for 2020. His time with the Mets is most likely over forever. He will be a free agent after this year. He is opting out for the rest of the season due to regards for, or I put in quotes, due to coronavirus concerns because we don't really know what's going on. So for those of you who don't know, what happened yesterday was game lineup was submitted. What it looked like, Cespedes was out of the lineup, so it, looked, it appeared to just everyone else, including the Mets broadcast booth and every fan, just like, okay, Cespedes is getting the day off. You know, he's just going to, he may come in late in the game and pinch hit, or, but he's probably just getting the day off. Then, about, I want to say, the second or third inning of the game, Steve Gelbs comes on the broadcast with Gary, Keith, and Ron and says Cespedes just wasn't there, wasn't there. He just didn't show up. So then that led to a whole fiasco. Apparently Cespedes never showed up to the park. Then the Mets released a statement saying Cespedes did not show up. He did not contact management as to why he wasn't there. And then... A few moments later, then people start getting concerned. They wonder if something happened to Cespedes, if he's in trouble, is he safe, is is he this or that. Then the Mets release a statement saying that he is safe, but they also don't know where he is. So that probably could have been worded, that's not the exact words that the Mets said, but that was pretty much what along the lines of what they said, which they probably could have worded, they had the right point, I mean, they had to do crowd control. I mean, everybody's worrying, but the Mets had to come up and say, hey, we know he's safe, but we don't know where he is. But they probably could have worded that a little better, in my opinion. But that's neither here nor there. And then, it turns out, mid-game, they sent the Mets send a security team over to Cespedes' hotel room, and all his stuff is packed up, and he's gone. Then it turns out, late, a little later in the game, Cespedes' agent contacts the Mets and says Cespedes is opting out for the rest of the 2020 season. Which is a huge... It's a huge blow to the Mets' lineup offensively and just in general with how much he can contribute. But given this current circumstances, no, you can't be upset with him for opting out but you can be upset with how it happened. So I so Brody I watched the press 
the post game press conference, Brody was saying that they had no they he had talked about opting out, but he was still on the fence over it. So he was going to still play until he made a decision. And then the Mets had no idea that he was that he opted out allegedly. So it's a huge fiasco and it's wonder and the media and the fans treat handled it just as bad as the Mets. They went after the Mets saying, "Oh, they're trying to shame Cespedes. Uh this is a disaster. How does a team not know where a player is and all that?" Brody told us that he was giving us information as the Mets got it. It is not Brody and the Mets' fault that Cespedes packed up and left without telling anyone. That's not the Mets' fault. That's Cespedes' fault. So I didn't like when I was seeing on social media, oh, this is a classless organization. How do you shame a player like that? How do you not know where he is? Then one writer, the first um, writer that said that Cespedes had opted out, said, "I don't, I don't find it true that I found out about Cespedes opting out before the general manager of the Mets knew." Maybe it just happened that way. You know, that does. Ha- I'm not saying that's the case. Maybe the Mets did know. We don't know what happened in that front office. Or what happened behind closed doors. We don't know everything that's going on. But it also could very well have been Cespedes actually just packed up and left without telling anyone. That is also very possible. But that's not what people want to hear. They don't want to believe that. So they kind of just pretend that's not a possibility. Now, I watched that conference and Brody answered the same question probably a dozen different ways. They didn't know where Cespedes was. They sent a security team to his hotel. Cespedes wasn't there. And then his agent lets the Mets know, hey, he's opting out. Okay, that's what happened. But you can't blame the Mets for that because the Mets didn't know, again, allegedly. Until we know the full story, you can't blame the Mets. Now, a counter-argument might be, well, if you're saying that, well, you can't blame Cespedes either. Well, based on what we've been told, right now, this scene, this appears to me at least, until we get the full story, get, I'd say give it a week or two and the full story will come out. But right now, based on what we do have, an unbiased opinion can say this is more Ioannis Cespedes' fault than the Mets' fault. Because if the Mets, in fact, did not know Cespedes packed up and left, how can Cespedes sit, how can... Cespedes sit there, pack up and leave, and not tell anyone. You know, there are some people saying that he told the Mets the night before he was done. But again, if the Mets have no idea, had no I- they knew he was talking about it, but they didn't have a final decision on it, that's where it's kind of like a up in the air. I mean, again, we can't really ju- we can't really come after any it's unfair to come after the Mets for this could they have worded their statements a little better yes but for people to sit there and put all the blame on the Mets and not say anything about what Cespedes did is is in my opinion it's a little ridiculous you can't sit there and say the Mets are 100% to blame for this when they didn't even know that Cespedes just packed up and left now, Bob Nightingale 
uh, of the ESPN released a tweet a li- momentarily after after the game. He kept the player anonymous, but uh, he was told by one allegedly by one Mets player that Cespedes had been. I forgot the exact word, but he was agitated, so he was ticked off of late. Now, what if he was ticked off at the team's performance the first week of the year, or he was ticked off at his personal performance and the fact that he struck out almost 50% of his at-bats this year? Whatever the case may be, if Cespedes was wanted out and is using the COVID, uh, you're... Uh, uh, your ability to opt out because of COVID as an excuse, then that's really disappointing. You know, I expect a lot more as a fan, not just out of Cespedes, any player on any team, I would expect a lot more out of them than that. I mean, to me, based on what we do know, my current opinion right now is he didn't like what was going on, whether it was how the team was performing or how him himself was performing. So he said, screw it, I'm done for this year, and COVID conveniently will cover that reasoning. And again, that may not be the case. He may have absolutely had concerns regarding coronavirus, and that's understandable. Every player that's opted out this year, they have no reason to be judged because they're opting out because of coronavirus. But that and that very well be the reason he opted out. But until we know the full story, you can't push blame on one side or the other. Like all, or I should say, you can't push all of the blame on anyone. But you can say partial blame right now with what we do know on both sides. Should the Mets statement have been a little better worded or a little more clear cut? Yes. Should Cespedes have packed up and ditched town without telling anybody? No. The fact that the Mets found out from his agent, again, this is allegedly, this is from what Brody has said, from what uh, the Mets have said, from what everybody has been saying online, all these writers. None, so we don't know exactly what happened. But that's what we know. Is the Mets didn't know that Cespedes had made his decision. They did not know. He packed up his stuff and left. That's why he wasn't at the ballpark. There was no hidden agenda. You know, I saw some people saying the Mets had some like hidden agenda to shame Cespedes and because they didn't want him there anymore or whatever the case may be. No, that's not what that's not how it works. Just because they probably again probably didn't handle it in the best possible way or they could have reworded their statement, that doesn't mean they have some hidden agenda to get at Cespedes. You know, I don't know why they they acquired Cespedes. They gave up two pitching prospects for Cespedes. They thought very highly of him and thought he was the key. He was going to be the guy that led them to a World Series. I don't know what hidden agenda they could possibly have for him, you know. But it's a giant mess. Again, like I said, give it one or two weeks, and this whole mess will sort itself out. We'll learn more information. Uh, more player players may be talking. Luis Rojas might be talking. We may hear more from the Wilpons and Brody. It's a giant, again, it's just a giant mess right now. But with the Mets' performance and with the Cespedes drama, 2020 is not off to a good start at all. Now, some people are freaking out. They're, you know, they've lost five in a row and this and that. Well, 
it's also really early in the season. This is still what we're one week and like two days into the season. So there's plenty of time for them to make up ground. What all they need, they need Pete Alonso to get going a little bit. They need the rest of that offense to keep going. And they need that bullpen to step up. And they need Rick Porcello to step up. You know, you look at the Mets rotation, right Right now the rotation lines up as DeGrom, Mats, Porcello, Waka, and in my opinion, I think most Mets fans can agree, based on two starts, David Peterson deserves to stay in that rotation, at least for this year. He deserves to stay. He's been, he's been great. I mean, he hasn't been like all-star caliber, but he has been, he's done his job. But the and Waka looked good. His looked terrific. His first start. His second start was shaky in the beginning, but then he settled down a little bit, and but he managed to settle down as he went on. But Rick Porcello and his first start. I don't like talking bad about Mets players because I know they're better at their position than I could ever be. And you know I can't judge them if I can't beat them at it. Really, the fact that Rick Porcello was that bad in his first start that was bad and he knew it was he owned up to it you know he knew it was an awful start but it's Rick Porcello and that bullpen need to step up and Pete Alonso just needs to get going it's still early he needs to find his groove you know if you saw yesterday Acuna got his first RBI or two days two nights ago or last night I can't remember Acuna just hit his first home run and first RBI of the year and Acuna is an MVP candidate along with Alonzo. So it just, you know, it's going to take a little bit. It took Acuna about a week. It may take Alonzo a little, a couple more days. You know, he'll get going. I'm not worried about him. If we get towards the end of August and he's still, you know, hitting under 200, then there might be a concern there. But, again, there's, I'm not really concerned about Pete. I'm just going to give him time. But, with that, it's just been a lot of a lot of craziness going on. Uh, there's been the COVID outbreak with the Marlins. There's been the Mets trades for Billy Hamilton giving up some pitching. There's been them uh, placing other depth pieces on waivers. There's been a lot of roster moves going on. And there's also been a lot of baseball news, like I said, with the Marlins, the Brewers, and Cardinals. As I look on, I'm looking on the MLB app, app app right now. The Brewers and Phillies, the Phillies are back in action tonight. They open up a series with the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. The Brewers open up a series with the White Sox in Milwaukee, so they're back in action. The Marlins and Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals game today against the Tigers got postponed because of the Cardinals testing positive. Miami is still is. Earliest they could play is tomorrow. They have to all get tested. So I will be doing more research and seeing how that goes. But there's just been, it's been a good start to the baseball, for baseball in general. But for the Marlins, Phillies, Cardinals, and Mets, it has not been a good, especially the Marlins. It has been an awful start to the season. Uh, but we're gonna. I just want to give a quick little shout out to a couple teams. First of all, the Yankees. I 
watched the game last night and watched Aaron Judge absolutely pound those two home runs. They currently have the best record in baseball at 7-1. Second place in the AL East is the Baltimore Orioles. They are 5-3 and three, have won three in a row. So take that, do with that what you will. Uh, if the season ended today, Baltimore is a playoff team. Minnesota's off to a great start at 7-2, and two, and Cleveland, even though they're 500, Shane Bieber, as the season ended today, Shane Bieber is a unanimous Cy Young Award winner in the American League. Him, Clevenger, Zach Plezak, uh, Carlos Carrasco is back. That, excuse me, that Cleveland pitching staff is absolutely fantastic right now. I know they're 5-5, five and five, but... That pitching staff has looked absolutely amazing. And Colorado has gotten off to a great start. They're 6-2. and two. They're tied with the Dodgers for first place in the NL West. That's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Uh, make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, share, and you're following us on social media at OurCityPod on Twitter. I'm also considering putting this podcast up on uh, either Spotify or on the Apple Podcasts, or if there's any other platforms you would like to hear this and make maybe make it easier than YouTube, leave a comment down below and I will do the research and figure out and get figure it all out and get that up and running. So that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. We're going to be back to weekly episodes like we did last year. Every Sunday after the Mets game, we'll do kind of like a weekly wrap-up of the Mets and of the rest of Major League Baseball. So that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of the Our City Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and let's go Mets.